Hey guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. Um, it's been busy around here, and I only have two hours to do this podcast before I've absolutely got to be done. And I know that's what I just said sounded crazy. Oh, you only have two hours to do a podcast. But I know myself, I stop and I start, I pause a lot, I edit as I record, which what that means is like if I say something like one time I said my husband's name and not that you can't find my husband's name but like um I don't want to say his name on the podcast and so like I'll pause and I'll move the ticker like back a little bit and then I'll re-say what I have to say like I do that and so I just know myself and I know it takes a while look at me sounding like a podcast professional (laughs) I'm in my husband's man cave right now and uh he always wants me to he wants me to set up my office in here so that we'll just have an area where we have an office and one it doesn't have natural light two it's ugly in here because he painted it black with yellow speckles because i don't know he was doing it late at night while i was asleep um there's a lot of like anime posters like this isn't where i want to be and also my wherever my office is my kids can come because I'm a mother (laughs) so when I'm like sitting at my desk and stuff and I'm doing something and my kids are home they can show up and like give me a hug or something like that and my husband would like die if they just walked in here um they come in here to play video games sometimes but he's like he's very much a you can't go in certain places type of guy so no, this is never, but you know, I have to come in here to record today because um, my two little ones are asleep and the three biggies are uh, watching a movie. Um, like I have to figure out a better time to record. I was recording at night. I was recording like during the day when they were at school. Like I have to figure out a time when they were absolutely not here because like my five-year-old went up to the microphone because it was on the kitchen table the other day and was like, princess here. Welcome to my episodes. And I was like, oh God, I'm dead. He's been listening to the shit. I say crazy shit on this podcast. I don't need him listening to me. Ugh. But yeah. Oh, guys. So, um, members of the Patreon, which is at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. You know, like every month we try to donate some, a little chunk of change to, to a cause that we believe in, people that are doing the work. And this month it was the New Georgia Project. It's, you can find it at newgeorgiaproject.org. And it's just, it's, it's an organization that's making sure that the people who vote in Georgia are the people, look like the people of Georgia, right? So that when we say our population is this percent black, this percent, um, 18 to, to 24, this, like that, those are also the people that are voting as well. You know, um, it's associated with Stacey Abrams, which I like, but you know, there's a Senate runoff race in January and that race will determine whether Biden's presidency will be effective. Um, I'm not going to explain to you how the government works, uh, go watch Schoolhouse Rock or something like that. But he does need a friendly Senate on his side. And this race is going to determine what Senate looks like. So it's super important. We donate some money. I'm super excited about it. And if you got a couple of extra bucks, that's a great place for you to throw some money to. Um, anything else? 
Mm, I think that's pretty much it. We're on episode six of the first season of The Real L Word. Um, I believe there's only nine episodes, so we will be choosing a new season. What season? What season are we in a Buy Pumpkin? Is it season four? We did Flavor of Love. We did Breaking Bonaducci. We did The Gotti Boys. We did Girls Next Door. We're in season five of Buy Pumpkin. So season six of Buy Pumpkin, it's on its way. And we got to figure out what, well, hmm. here's the rules. Here's how I do it. I do a bonus, a weekly bonus episode on the Patreon. Right now we're going through Hogan Knows Best and we're almost done with that. I let Patreon members decide what bonus episodes we're going to do. Because I feel like if you're like donating money to me every month to kind of like to keep this podcast going, then you get a say in things. So there will be a vote over on the Patreon page about what we're going to talk about next. But for the main feed, which is free, which is my labor of love, I always choose. So I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I'm feeling very Rachel Zoe these days, but I also would love to watch some Bad Girls Club. I've also been thinking a lot, like girl, a lot about making the band. Not the first making the band with O-Town. Not making the band. <laughs> I'm talking about some Danity fucking Kane. I, I've been thinking a lot about that, but it just really depends on how I can watch these things. And girl, I really do hate watching things on YouTube. I really hate like being three episodes in and can't find the fourth episode or the fucking audio's fucked up. I I really hate that type of shit, but we need to see. We need to see. Um, but I'm, so I just want you to know I'm thinking about that. Um, also want to remind you guys that if you want to talk to me, the easiest way to talk to me is to tweet me at okay then princess. Um, I'm a Twitter fool. Um, you can also email me at hello at buypumpkinpodcast. Um, dot com, and you can also send me a Patreon message. Those are the easiest ways to like get in contact with me. And yeah, I think that's about it. Um, let's get moving. Let's get moving. Season one, episode six of The Real L Word. And this one's called Family Ties. The first, you know, that question they ask everybody uh, when we start is about coming out. And Whitney came out at 13. She just yelled she was gay as she left the house during National Coming Out Day and her father was fine. Yeah, I, I I can see how that I can see how that would work. Um, Natalie's no, Nikki's mother wasn't too surprised because she thought Nikki was in love with her college roommate, and she turned out to be true. Um, Tracy said it was easier to come out to her father than her mother, and when she talked to her mother, she was just like, and it seems like she was in person because she said she could see her face um, that she's been seeing someone, and her name is Kelly. Um. Mikey grew up in a religious household and took her grandmother about five years before she could say the word lesbian. Um, Jill says it was scary and her parents said, just said to her, we want you to be happy, but we're going to need a second to get used to this. And to be honest, unless, you know, like I said, when someone comes out to you, I think that the, the most appropriate way to approach that is to say, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate, thanks for sharing that with me. I, and like, I love you. Like, but I think the second most favorable way someone can react, especially your parents is, oh, I love you so much. I want you to be happy. 
give me a minute because I got to think about, I got to like really process this because it does take some time to process it. Um, especially if you, if you thought, you know what I mean? You know, you know that, oh, you thought like that type of stuff. <laughs> like me, I'm very clear that one of my kids is probably gay and just waiting for him to figure it out. <laughs> just minding my fucking business until he invites me into his business. <laughs> and I think, like like I said, I think the other ways to react to someone coming out was being like, we already knew that. It's so odd. I think that's kind of rude. And I'm it like downplays how hard it is for someone to come and have that conversation with you. And to be like, oh, you you thought with that butch haircut and that flannel, I didn't know you were like, come on. <laughs> Is this a time? Is this a time when we need to get off your little reads? Is that what? Is that what? Is this necessary? You can see that they're coming to you to to like talk to you and like give me a fucking break. <laughs> Just, <laughs> go back to reading them later. <laughs> oh, um, Rose says it was easy to tell her parents, but she, it was easy to tell her parents. And once she was clear about who she was, she didn't really care about how the other people outside of her family felt. Um, the only bad part was that her grandmother then wasn't very clear about who she was dating and who she was just friends with. So she was just like, no one's allowed in your room anymore. And yeah, okay. Um, I, besides Tracy, who we already know is, is still having a hard time about the coming out with her parents. I really appreciate that all of these women just didn't have the, like just had, very normal coming out stories. Normal. I don't want to use that word. Um, they had very, it seems less stressful. Even Mikey, who said it took them a long time, seemed like it just wasn't that, you know, I, she came out and it was the end of it. Uh, so let's start with our boring, boring, boring couple, Jill and Nikki, and they need to talk about their wedding. So instead of sitting at their kitchen table and talking about their wedding like they do, 24 fucking seven, they're gonna rent a private room at a restaurant to do it. Sure. Um, Jill says there's so much to do, but once the venue's booked, everything will unfold. And she's right. That venue selection is very important because once the venue is selected, it lets you know what where your other vendors are gonna be and what date you need to be working around. Um, Jill wants to make a pact that there won't be any arguing. She says they both have strong opinions and she's not saying that Nick, Nikki will be arguing, but she just wants them not to argue at all. She just, she doesn't want that to happen. Um, good luck, Jill. <laughs> I mean, it's a wedding and you have two very opinionated people. Um, and if we go by the way we're socialized, brides are the only ones that care about weddings. I do. I've never understood that, that. I don't know how, if you are marrying, so there's no groom in this situation, but if you are marrying a groom, a man, that he's supposed to have a whole ass fucking important ceremony in his life and supposed to be the most important day of his life, but he's not supposed to have any fucking opinions about what's going to happen. I don't understand that. Um, but we got two brides and you have two strong opinions and the idea that you're never going to argue is crazy, but... I don't know how much Nick and, Nikki and Jill argue in their relationship. 
I don't know that I could be in a relationship where I'm not arguing some of the time. I feel like if we never argue, then we're never talking about important things and we always agree with each other. And I don't, I've never met anyone I always, always agree with. I don't know. It's just not, I don't, I don't, like, I also think Nikki and Jill are very much, like, concerned, um, not concerned, aware of how they look on TV. And I don't know if they argue or not, but I feel like if they were, like, having a knockdown, drag out fight, we wouldn't see it. That's my feelings. Um, they aren't going to have bridesmaids, bridesmaids. I said bridesmaids, just like Nene Leaks bridesmaids and what they're going to have is each they're going to have one friend stand up for them which I think is fine and uh less trouble and you know it can be very chic and Nikki's gonna Nikki's mom is gonna walk her down the aisle Jill's both of Jill's parents are gonna walk her down the aisle and Nikki's mom is gonna walk her down the aisle and she wishes it was her father she feels like it should be her father let me take, so the, I just want to be clear about that. I don't think she wants her father there, but she feels like it should be her father and therefore she's missing out on something because her father seems to be kind of an asshole. Um, not even kind of, he seems like an asshole. Uh, they haven't been very close since her parents divorced. Her parents divorced in her 20s. That really rocked uh, Nicole, Nikki's world. Um, and sure, okay, so sure. Getting your parents getting divorced when you're a kid can be rough, but I think in certain ways, your parents getting divorced when you're like fully fucking grown can be rough too, because in different ways, because they are absolutely like a, a foundation for your life, even if they're in a bad marriage and for them to just be like, we're calling it quits now, um, can really rock people's world. Uh, not that you you need to be all up in your parents' marriage. Your parents' marriage, it's so weird. It has everything to do with you and also nothing to do with you. Their relationship is separate from their relationship with you, but yet it's, you marinate in it. And so it can be tough, but you know, it was hard for Nikki. Her father has a lot of anxiety. He's never been on a plane. He is who he is. And she's just not very close with him. Um, she says, she says that she was on Oprah in 2006 when she was married to a man. She got married to a man very, this is four years before this happened. How long have they been together? Maybe two, I don't know. Um, she got married to a man very early in her twenties and she was on a segment or a show about women who found out or who realized they were gay. Found out sounds like someone coming and told you. Like you got a letter in the mail being like, well, you're gay. I don't know what to do about that marriage to that man thing you got going on, but this letter says I'm gay, so I got to go. <laughs> but women who realized they were gay um, while married to men. And her father called her up. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but this is... <laughs> This is so fucking mean. The meanest shit. Not the meanest shit. The, one of the meanest things I've ever heard anybody say is my mother-in-law told my sister-in-law. I was just sitting in the room. I was not paying attention. That she does not have good ideas. 
that if she, she's like, you just don't have good ideas. And if you have good ideas, if you think you have a good idea, you need to check with somebody because it's probably a bad idea and you just don't know. And I know that that doesn't sound like super mean, but the context of which it was said, <laughs> I just laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> Because just to have like a parent just be like, listen, <laughs> I've known you my whole life, your whole life. I gave birth to you. I gave you life. I've been watching you ever since. And I come to the conclusion, you don't know about ideas. <laughs> and you don't have good ideas. And you can't tell whether they're good or not. So you need to, if you get an idea, you need to go check with somebody. Check with somebody. See how the idea is. Let them evaluate the idea. Get a double, you know what? You need to get a, a peer review on your ideas because you don't get them. You don't make good ideas. In fact, maybe you should leave the ideas to other people and you just borrow ideas of other people already done. It was just, I never fucking forgot. Never forgot. I fuck with that sister-in-law all the time about, about where her mother said that. And to be honest, she was trying to, she was trying to, to be honest, what the sister-in-law was trying to do was a bad idea. <laughs> I would keep it real. My mother-in-law was correct. <laughs> anyway, this is what Nikki's mother called and said, Nikki's father called and said, I was in my home yesterday and turned on Oprah and saw a beautiful woman. And then I thought to myself, what a waste of a woman when I heard the subject matter. And then I realized it was you. Like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I would say to that. I can't believe you got on your phone to call me to let me know that you saw me on Oprah and you think I'm a waste of a woman and you're going to tell me in this story time sort of fucking place, like this story time sort of way. Whew. So if let's say that happened to me. If that happened to me, I would not invite that person to my wedding because I would feel like, one, I need an apology moving forward. Like, that was incredibly rude. My life is my own. My truth is my own. I was very clear about what my truth is. If you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. And for you to, you probably wrote this shit down on a post-it and then called me to read it to me. For you to figure that shit out and then call me to let me know that you think I'm a waste of a woman was cruel. It was unnecessarily cruel. It's not like... It's not like we happen to be somewhere together and I said something to you and then you reacted and we're going to blame your reaction on the fact that you were surprised or something. No, you took some fucking time. So this is a real, this is what you meant. And yeah, he wouldn't be invited to my wedding. But you know, Jill tells her like, um, you know, everything about this wedding is not traditional. And I know traditionally a man walks his daughter down the aisle but if this was a traditional wedding you wouldn't be marrying me and I think Jill has a point by the way Cara Berry has texted me many times and also spoken to me last week I was on her Patreon um bonus episode about Bethany Ever After go check it out um but Cara <sighs> really 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 hates Jill's hair and by hates Jill's hair she she texts me and says she thinks it's a wig I did not see it before but now that she has talked extensively about it I'm like okay 
I see it. It does look like a fucking wig. Thanks, Kara. Ruining my life again. <laughs> no, Kara's great. By the way, The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has premiered. And guys, I need a moment. I'm not watching it. I, I need some time. Need some time. I... I haven't watched a Real Housewives in, like just sat down to watch one in a very long time. And I usually listen to, because I love my favorite podcasters, I listen to them. But I don't know if I can watch this. I don't I don't know, but I will say this. Last night I was grocery shopping and listening to Kara and Jay Reyna. Um, he's not Jay. I think this is not Jay Reyna on um, Twitter. And... They were talking about the premiere of the, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I also listened to several, many, 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 many other episodes because everyone was talking about it. I had like five, six hours of content about it in my feed. But I will say that Kara and Jay's is the best. Kara's deep dive into the background was crazy. And I'm just walking around a grocery store saying, what? And then they did what? And she smelled like hospital. And she smelled like hospital too? Oh my goodness. So if you get a chance, go listen to it. She was really good. So was Jay. But anyway, Kara. Kara has ruined this show for me. Because I can't, cause, cause I can't see past it that it's a wig. Um, so Jill and Nikki go to Malibu to look at an estate for the venue. Um, it's beautiful, of course. It's on the water. Like, the owners have had weddings there. Or maybe someone... They were talking about someone who's had a wedding there. And so there's kind of a blueprint. Because remember, remember, if you're doing things at private residences, it can be difficult. Like, if you have your wedding at an event hall, at an event space, the blueprint's there. Okay? They know how where the caterers go, how they do this, how they do that. They know where the dancing goes, where the they know this stuff already. So you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to think that hard. And you don't have to be like, oh, what do I put down on the floor to keep you from sinking into the grass? Like shit like that. You don't have to like do all that shit. And you don't have to like um fix everything. Like it usually costs more money to convert something into a space for a wedding than it is to go to a space that's built for weddings. That said, this this place, someone's already had a wedding there. And so they've kind of got like a little, a little blueprint for them to follow about how to do your wedding here. And it's a gorgeous space. Nikki's in love with it. Of course she is. Um, she's like, you don't show me that shit on day one if you want a day two. And Jill needs more time because of course she does. Um, you know, Nikki wishes she owned it and I can see that it's fucking gorgeous um but in terms of a budget it's a maybe Nikki also talks about how she had anxiety and was diagnosed in college and her father had it too but because she didn't want to be anything like him she faced it head on she wanted to be strong and brave and I think this narrative of anxiety is not a great one I mean it can be her idea of what anxiety is but like Anxious people can be brave. Anxious people can be strong. In fact, what bravery is, is being afraid to do something, but doing it anyway. That's what bravery is. If you're not afraid, 
If you're not worried about what's going to happen next, and it's not brave at all, it's just a regular day in the park. So walk in the park, kid. So I don't like the way Nikki talks about anxiety. Maybe it's because I'm someone who has a lot of fucking anxiety. But the reason she, what, what she's saying is that the reason that she is so sure-footed about things and pushes for and like wants to make a decision now is because she doesn't want to be anything like her father. <sighs> I'm sure Nikki's in in therapy. She seems like she might be in therapy. So I hope they work around that. They 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 explore where that's coming from. Also, Jill and Nikki are getting a rabbi friend to marry them, and that means a lot. The state doesn't recognize their marriage, but they would love for the Jewish community to, and that'd be beautiful. Um, towards the end of the ep- towards their end of the end of their part of the episode, Jill and Nikki is like pushing, pushing, pushing Jill to write a check and sign a contract on this venue. And Jill is like, she wants to see other places um, because it's so expensive. And Nikki's like, it's gonna get booked. It's gonna, they're gonna raise the price. Like, and Jill's like, I'm getting upset because you're making up reasons why we have to do this. Cause none of those things are like, you know, none of those things are out there for that. Um, which is something anxious people do, by the way, Nikki. Just so you know. Just so you know. <laughs> we make up reasons like that are not in evidence of why things are going to happen. And also Jill is like, she doesn't want to be in conflict. They're arguing. This isn't what she wanted. And she thinks she has a right to go at her own pace instead of Nikki's pace. And I agree with her. I mean, I also agree with Nikki. I think that's the, I think that's the spot. That's it right there. And they're only having 80 people. I mean, the way they're doing this wedding, though, they're, they're only having 80 people. But, I mean, they might. But they're spending money that some people have 300 people at their wedding for this amount of money. So, I mean, it's not like they're saving money doing that. And that's all for the Boringos. Next, we get Mikey. Mikey's doing a, does a New York City event twice a week. Oh, so twice a year. Excuse me. So, let, let's talk about Mikey um, in New York and LA Fashion Week. I talked to Kara about it because Kara is a fashion girl. She cares about fashion. She knows about models. She knows why they have the Met Gala. I don't know. She's like keeps up with shit. And we were talking about LA Fashion Week and how I'm very confused about how Mikey is doing all of LA Fashion Week. And Kara's, Kara's suggestion is that perhaps Mikey isn't doing all of LA Fashion Week, perhaps Mikey is doing one event, an important event for fashion, LA Fashion Week, but, you know, LA Fashion Week doesn't belong to, like, one person. Like, much like New York Fashion Week, lots of people can have an event during what is New York Fashion Week. It doesn't mean that, that you have to, like, get it approved through someone. Um... And so maybe that's something that's going on. I'm not sure, but I mean, like I said, I'm still in the dust about the dark about it, but Kara is getting me a little closer to, she agrees that it's crazy that Mikey would have $30,000 to do the entirety of New York Fashion Week. So Mikey does a, a New York City event twice a year called the Gallery New York City. New York City. And what she does, she takes her clients um, from LA to New York to meet with the fashion editors. All the fashion, all the major fashion editors are centered in New York. And even those publications 
um, that had West Coast uh, locations, they're closing because of, you know, the recession. So the fact is that uh, that you got to come to New York if you want face-to-face time with them, if, for the most part. Um, so what it is is they go to the showroom and they have appointments set up all day. She's working with a PR person. Um, and Mikey mostly handles production, but she's got a PR person that's got that's invited and confirmed people to come in and do and editors to come in and meet with these designers. And what happens on the first day is that most of the people want to move to the second day. And it just feels like they're there for seven hours and minor editors come in. They do some press. I can see some journalists. Somebody was on TV and Mikey's feeling like fucked up about it because these are her clients. And the and to have them sitting in this showroom all day and like three people show up is to come in, like look at their lines and, and talk to them about things is rough, you know? And as a, P, a fashion PR firm, like PR is one of those things that there's not a one-to-one return of investment on. And I don't hand you this amount of money and then you hand me a product. That's not how it works. I'm paying you a retainer monthly to get me PR. And it's super hard for, um, you know, uh, people will question themselves all the time. Why am I paying this amount of money to get this? Why? So it's just rough and, you know, tough. And and Mikey's really nervous. Mikey's handing out cocktails to everyone because there's nothing she can do to control about that. And the fact is the PR person she's working with can't control that either. Like, honestly, she's done her best. And if you're a New York City fashion editor, you have so many PR events uh, a day, uh, you know, like... You have a million places that want you to come and look at this and write about this and talk about this and put this in your magazine. And so they move shit around all the time. Other things happen all the time. Um, you know, the PR person is talking to her about it and Mikey's like, if this, if, if, if you were in this position, there's nothing I can say to you to make you feel better about it. And so there's nothing you can say. I'm just disappointed. All the designers are disappointed. It doesn't feel great. So that night, Mikey goes out. Now, Mikey goes to, Mikey says she's going to a club for, I believe, transsexual. She uses a word that I don't feel comfortable using because the trans community has said that it's hurtful to them. So it's it's just rooted in a lot of things. A lot of violence against trans people. It just, it's, they don't want you to use it, so don't use it. But this is 2010, and I guess they say it a million times, and it really was like, I was like, what? <laughs> I, I like, I feel uncomfortable talking about this segment at all because I'm unsure of what's happening. Um, I don't, no, I'm not unsure of what's happening. I'm unsure of how to describe what's happening in language I want to be associated with. That's, that's the long and the short of it. I don't know... If they are in a, if these are drag queens, trans women, um, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening and I feel like, I feel like all I got was a T word, T word, T word, T word over and over again. I was like, so what are y'all doing? Like, and if this is a place, I'll just assume it's trans women. If this is a place for trans women 
why are you there? <laughs> I don't, is that rude? Is that rude? Mikey, why are you there? Mikey's like, she loves trans women. She thought Raquel was a trans woman when she met her. And I was like, I don't know. This felt to me as if, let's say we were watching The City and Whitney Port had just done a PR event. And she was, and everyone was like, I know a great bar for gay men. Let's you, let's uh, us, a bunch of straight white women and our camera crew go over there and like have a party. <laughs> and so like, it just felt strange to me. I, maybe I missed something. I didn't know that there were any trans women with them. I didn't know that they're like, I just, I just felt like why are, why is Mikey a white lesbian, her assistant who I believe is a cis, um, excuse me, let me take it back. Why is Mikey a cis white woman, lesbian, um, and her assistant, a cis white woman, I'm assuming heterosexual, I thought, thought they talked about this going to blow off steam at a trans club I don't I don't understand that like it just seemed like they were it just seemed like they were going to the zoo do you know what I mean that we're just gonna go here and we're gonna have a good time and we're gonna look at all these people that are like it just didn't seem like her space and I could be wrong about that. Like I could have misunderstood that they'd been invited by someone or that there was someone who did belong in that space who was like, I want to take you here with, I don't know. But it just really seemed like Mikey kept saying, I love T words. I love them. And it's just like, I don't, anyway, I want to stop talking about this because I am very uncomfortable. Like I said, I, I just have a lot of questions and I want to make sure I'm using appropriate language. And I don't know that I am, to be honest. Well, the most important part about what happened that night is that Mikey got trashed. Um, and the second day of the press event, Mikey's down for the count. And the assistant, I forget her name, has to show up and let the designers in, let the editors in. And like the second day goes better. There are more, lots more people coming to see them. And the assistant handles it all. And seven hours into the event, Mikey shows up. Mikey says, when Mikey shows up, I will say this. Mikey says everything I would say and that she's disappointed in herself. She's unprofessional. That was incredibly unprofessional. You're only here for two days. Um, and that her clients are the most important thing to her. It's her entire fucking business. And you fucked him over today and not that anything terrible happened but you're the face of the business you're the owner of the business you're probably the person that signed them up she's the one that you know she's calling like they know that the assistant is the assistant and also every designer knows why knows why she's not there um so i 
it's not even like they were able to say, because Mikey was very clear about what was going to be happening that night. My, it's not even like they were say like, Mikey had some bad fish and Mikey isn't feeling well this morning. And so we're going to move forward without Mikey and we're going to make sure this is great. They are like, well, she was out fucked up. And, and that's not anything I want anybody in a professional situation to be saying about me. Princess is not here to do her job because she got fucked up last night as they're leaving town it seems like most things went well but as they're leaving town um Mikey's just like getting this drunk is crazy and like can't believe I risked my whole business to do some shit like that but she does thank her assistant which was appropriate because her assistant did handle the the handle it all so let's talk about Rose. Rose is at Hamburger Mary's with her protégés. As soon as I saw, I was like, oh, she's at Hamburger Mary's. <laughs> and they're going over the, the previous night. So I guess the strippers were the night before. And Rose is saying that Natalie wouldn't be cool with it. But if it makes or breaks them, it's, she, she says it's stupid. But she, she meant it was stupid. But she used the R word. And then her friend said, what if Natalie did the same thing? And Rose was meaning like, no, no, no. She doesn't even care if it's a double standard. She says she she would put Natalie out of the house for a while. Rose is very controlling. Um, I don't know if that's how she would describe herself, right? But she's a controlling person. And at least with Natalie. Because you know how sometimes people have these relationship dynamics that are really only with this other person. And they never act like that again. Like something triggers them inside to, to act a certain way with this person. Um, it could be that way with cheating. Um, I would say that like with my first love, we had a very physical relationship in that there was a lot of domestic violence. Um, we were literally fighting each other all the time. Um, in the past, if you would have asked me, I would say it was mutually abusive because it made me feel better to say it was mutually abusive to say that the two of us would do that to each other but the truth is he was abusive to me and I was mostly just fighting back with him and I didn't want to be like called a victim you know um sometimes when you get people denying stuff like sexual assault or physical assault or emotional abuse that they really resist that term. It's mostly because they don't want to be called a victim. They don't want to be thought of as weak. They don't think of themselves as weak. I don't think of myself as weak. I, but it took me a while to realize that like victim doesn't equal weak, right? Like this thing happened to me and it was like, you know, I can tell it in, I can make it as funny as you want it to be, right? That's another thing. I'm realizing about like all my little stories that I tell, like I can make them as funny as you want them to be. But some of these things are really tragic shit that happened that was fucking real. And part of me making them funny is to make the listener feel better about the whole fucking thing. And once you feel better about the whole thing, then I don't have to like live in this space where this terrible thing happened to me. But I've never, so, he was very abusive to me emotionally, um, sexually, physically, uh, financially. He was very abusive to me. And in return, I was, um, like, we fought each other a lot. That is how that relationship went. I, like, have never 
been physical in a relationship like that since. And, you know, we can say I've also cheated on relationships, but I mean, I'm a shingler. I'm not a cheater. I'm what that means is well, it is a cheater. That's just what we say when we're shinglers. That means that like instead of like I will leave a relationship and not tell anybody <laughs> like even the person I'm in a relationship with and I will start a new relationship and the way they're they overlap so it's like a shingle. <laughs> like the point is though, I don't intend to stay in a relationship. I just have ended it in my mind and I've not told anybody about it. So I've been like that before, but I just because I've done that in one or two relationships doesn't mean that that's who I am as a person. Um, I guess, you know, I'm babbling now, but I guess what I'm trying to say here is that um, regardless of how Rose is now, and it's 10 years later, so I'm sure she's grown, but in this particular issue with Natalie, she's very controlling um, in terms of like giving her money and stuff. And it was a mistake for Natalie to come and live with Rose. And I bet you it had something to do financially. The fact that she doesn't have to kick in on the rent and stuff like that. And that she didn't make a lot of money as a salon manager. But the fact is that like it, Rose has no problem using that as a means of control over Natalie to say that like if Natalie went to, if, essentially, if Natalie did the exact same thing she did, that Natalie would kick that she would kick Natalie out for a couple weeks and then let her come back. Like you know what I'm saying? Um, just the way she talks about her, it, she can be gross sometimes about that. Um, I don't like it at all. So Rose, then Rose says, "I'm growing up. I had fun. I didn't do any of the bad stuff I do with the strippers. It was just fun." I don't know if that's not Rose growing up. Then, I mean, good, but also. You got a long way to go, kid, because if you were really grown up, you would have said to Natalie, hey, I want to, um, me and my friends are going to have like, we're going to have a night out and it's going to be strippers and everything there. So I just want to make sure you knew that and make sure you know that you can trust me not to do anything other. Not to, people really think that like strippers are also prostitutes, which is, can be true, but isn't necessarily true. And also like they're at work. <laughs> You know, they're at work and they're not necessarily trying to fall in love with you or whatever. And most of them are not falling in love with you. And if you're willing to have sex with them, if they're willing to have sex with you, it's usually because they are also prostitutes. And, and this idea, I don't know, this idea that like your girl is going to go to the strip club and meet a stripper and fall in love and have a relationship is like nowhere near as prominent your girl or your man is going to do that is is not as prominent as people think it is like I just that's not what they're there for <laughs> and if something like that happens it's like an exception to the rule not like what happens um I don't know I really don't I but in, either way uh if Rose had grown up, she'd be talking like that and not the other way around. Um, the next time we see Rose and Natalie, Natalie is hanging out with her sister at a nail salon. Natalie's one of five children and three of which are gay. Um, her sister and one of her brothers is gay. And right at this moment, Natalie's officially working for Rose. And she says that Rose asked her to iron something. And then when she did that, Rose gave her a credit card and was like, you go shopping and get whatever you want. She says she feels like Rose's wifey. 
And yeah, I think that's the dynamic that Rose wants is that like, I got you and I'm in charge and I'm going to give you things and I'm going to spoil you. And you're going to feel like the best, the best, like you're going to feel the best you've ever felt in your life when, when you and I are together. But if you don't do what I tell you to do, then you're absolutely going to, you're going to regret it. I like much like maybe like a 1950s housewife romance sort of thing. Like, yeah, I, I mean, that doesn't appeal to me in any way. I can't do that. But to a certain extent, Natalie likes that. She likes that Rose takes charge and Rose takes care of her and does all those things. Um, I don't think that she understands that, like, or maybe she does because her and Rose fight all the time. So maybe she does understand that, like, if you're not acting the way Rose wants you to do, then Rose is is good with throwing you out the fucking window. <laughs> like, you're, like, you're gone immediately. Um, and Natalie says that all her life she's wanted to get married younger rather than older. So she feels, you know, she's, she's basically implying that she feels like they're ready to be in that step. So then later, Rose and Natalie meet her mom. And Natalie has recently come out to her mom. And for the first couple of months of Rose and Natalie's relationship, Rose was Natalie's boyfriend, Robert. Now, Rose and Natalie have only been together for seven months. Eight months maybe by this time. I don't know. I don't know how long they took to film. Um, and then Natalie says that her mother was in and out of the hospital for the last couple of months. So normally I per I'm like I'm I'm having a hard time I'm having a hard time divorcing myself from these narratives, right? Because I'm someone who just like throws shit out and I just want everything to be open and I give too much information rather than not enough information. In fact, my kids um ride the bus home and the other day they were they were like we thought you were gonna pick us up because you had mentioned something about picking somebody up and I was like listen let me tell you something about your mother she's the over communicator if I were gonna pick you up I would have explained that I was gonna pick you up at least three to four times at least okay don't worry don't worry if I'm gonna pick you up I'll let you know my once I was taking a flight somewhere and I was telling my husband my flight information and I was like are you writing this down he's like absolutely not because you're gonna call me at least three more times before you get here with this flight information and he's right that's how I talk I I want to have those types of conversations I want to just like let it all out and I want to like and I'll have the same conversation over and over again if I have to. Like, that's how, that's how I, but not everybody is me. Not everybody grew up the way I did. No matter, not everybody sees the world the way I see it. And one of my biggest growth goals is remembering to meet people where the fuck they are. Like, yeah, it would be great if everyone was like this. You can't see me because this is not a visual podcast. I'm, I have my hand high up in the air. But it makes more sense if they're down here, my hand's low now, for me to meet them where they are instead of being upset that they're not where I want them to be. And for, I've talked a lot about like these people being open and honest with the people they need to be. And I know that Natalie and her mother are very close, but I have to say that I approve of Natalie um, not just running into her mother's hospital room to say, oh, by the way, I've got a new girlfriend her name is rose i don't know if you know i've dated other women before but i have and this is serious so i want like this is an inappropriate time and her mother's going through health things and also 
it looks like her mother, her sister, came out when she was 14 years old. So it's been years and years and years. So her mother is, and she's got another gay sibling. So her her mother, this is, her mother's not new to this, okay? So she gives the appropriate reaction and she says that like over the years, the only thing that's been hard for her is that her mother has had a lot to say about Natalie's sister that came out when she was 14. And she finally had to just say, if you don't have anything nice to say about my kid, then don't say anything about my kid because I love my kid. And like, that's literally none of your business. And that's how I feel too. Like, um, an extended family member who has a lot to say about my kid is like, why do you give a fuck? You only see them every now and again and you're not in charge of them. So either love them or leave them the fuck alone. That's, that's how I would be too. And I don't have, like, I really, <laughs> I, I, there's no, it's nothing for me to cut anybody off. It really isn't. All you have to do is make me mad enough to do it. And once I've done it, you're gone. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't Google you. I don't check your Instagram. I don't, <laughs> I don't do any of that shit once you're gone. I don't, because you are dead now. You are literally, you have left this realm. <laughs> you're gone. And so, it really is nothing for me to cut somebody off. And all it is, all it takes is for you to get me mad enough to do it. And so Natalie's mom seems like somebody who she just said, oh, okay. When, when Natalie told her, I was like, all right, well, as long as you're happy and which I think is appropriate reaction. And, um, yeah, you know, at this point they start talking about Rose's mom and Rose reminds everyone that she's been raised by her grandmother. Her mother was a young mother. She was probably raised by her grandmother because she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do because she was young. You know, she was too busy. She still had the streets in her. <laughs> you know, you're young and you used to be going out and doing whatever the fuck you want to. Now you got this baby and you're, and you know, a very Janelle situation where you're, where you want to go. She, Can you watch this baby? And then your ass don't come back for two days. You know, shit like that. Although Janelle really, you know, I feel like a lot of young mothers did shit. Like my mom was like that. My mom had my brother when she was 17 and me when she was, oh, my mom, I pregnant with my brother when she was 17, had him when she was 18 and she had me when she was 20. And by the time she had me, she had grown up quite a bit. But when she had my brother, I mean, she still was just like, oh, I want to go to my friend's house. They're having a party. Blah, blah, blah. And, and my grandmother would watch her son and he was very close to my grandmother right before she died. It was very hard. Um, and when my mom wanted to move out a year after she had her, my brother, my grandfather was like, okay, well, I mean, where are you going? And she's like, well, I'm going to live with my friend. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he was like, okay, well, go on about your business, but leave him here because you don't seem to have a plan. <laughs> you don't have any money. And, I, and you're not going to like be taking my grandson up and down the street. <laughs> Just go where the fuck you want to, and you don't even have a fucking plan. You out here humbugging it and shit. <laughs> so when you get a plan, come back. And my brother stayed with my grandparents for many, many years. Um, when my grandmother died, my grandmother had a stroke, and my brother was the only one with her. He was, gosh, she was maybe four or five years old. And like when she died, it felt like his mother died. And Rose is describing how when his how her mother was a young mom. So she sees her more as a sister than um, a mother figure, right? 
maybe an, maybe an older, maybe a not so much older aunt. And my brother had that as well. Like he just really, he just for, I'm not saying he doesn't love my mom. He loves my mom a lot and he calls her mama just like all the rest of us, but he just really sees her as a different, he has a different, he has a very different relationship than I do. My mom has only been my mom. And like, I don't know, I don't know any world in which my mom doesn't exist. I've never lived apart from my mom. I've never, I mean, as an adult I have, but I've never, as a child, I never lived apart from my mom. I didn't make it at sleepovers and overnights. They always had to take me back to my mom. I didn't, I, every now and then I make it like a summer, like at a, at a cousin's house, but a cousin, like, like it had to be very close family. And when I say a summer, I meant a month. Like you had to come back and fucking get me. You cannot leave me there. I need to be with my mom. And my mom, mom had drug issues and became homeless. I was the only child that stayed with her while she was homeless. Like the others stayed with relatives and stuff like, and I couldn't, I rather be homeless than live away from my mother. And so my experience with her is very different from my brother's experiences with, and my older brother especially, because he was raised next to her almost like a sibling. And so, like I, I, when I told this story about like, I don't know where I told, uh, maybe it was on the Patreon, but I was talking about how my brother as a child to me seems so adult because, but that's because he put him on himself on the same plane as my mother. And she had a lot of problems disciplining him. Once my grandmother died, my grandfather married yet another woman named Dorothy. <laughs> my grandfather's been married to three Dorothys and they're all dead. Somebody should investigate that. But he's still alive though. So when my grandmother died, my grandfather married another woman named Dorothy. And she was like, why is this grandchild living with us? And my grandfather was like, because he's always lived with us. And, you know, for the most part, and it wasn't really a Jace Janelle situation in which like there were fights and stuff. But, my, but once he was there, um... Once he was there, that's where my brother wanted to be. So my mom left him there and she, she visited him and she'd bring him and stuff. But I didn't, my first few years of life, I didn't grow up with my brother. And once my grandfather remarried, a couple of years after my grandmother died, um, the, my step-grandma didn't want him there. And so, you know, after a little bit of fighting, um, my grandfather agreed to send my brother to live with his mother, which my mother was really happy about. So he comes to live with us and he's just, he's raised differently than us. He, he, his relationship with my mother is very different. Um, like a lot of times he would just be, he would just be like, like the alarm, we'd wake up, my mom's alarm didn't go off and we'd wake up and we like, we'd be like, oh my God, we're gonna miss school. Oh, and I'd be like, oh, I need to, I need to like let mama know that we're going to miss school. Let's wake her up right now. And he'd be like, no, don't wake her. I'd be like, why? And he'd be like, Cause if we don't wake her up and it's too late for us to go to school. And I just remember like having my little hand over my heart, like, oh, you want us to do what? Like my brother really just, he just like, I don't know. He just was... And I don't even want to use the word entitled, but he was emboldened to just like, he would just be like, yeah, we'll do this. And I'd be like, how, why, what, what universe do you live in that I don't know about? Like he, he was, he was like, 
in a lot of ways, he was like a Jedi. He just, he, I don't know, he was, there was some magic, he would just do things. And I will always be really shocked by it. I would always be shocked by like the skills. Like, I just remember seeing him riding a bike and being like, that motherfucker is magic. <laughs> Look at him. He's just riding a bike. I don't, and he's only two years older than me. But so with Rose, like I understand how, so she's in something with her mom. And we've talked about this before that she's, there's some conflict with her mom. But it's not like mother-daughter conflict. It's, it's Rose and her older aunt and her young aunt conflict. You know what I mean? Because they're on a different level of that stuff. And, you know, I saw, I checked out Rose's um, IG recently and I saw some pictures of her bio mom or of her mother there. And she's, you know, I guess they have a much better relationship now. They look exactly alike. Moles and everything. They look so much alike. So much alike. But yeah, in this episode, she's just talking about that, where that is and how, and how, like, you know, their closeness and stuff doesn't work anymore because of just things that happened when she was younger. Um, so let's talk about Tracy. Tracy has two sisters and they all live in the area. They're all close. She's got one that's a year and a half younger than her and one that's five years younger than her. And the girls and their boyfriends are coming over. It's for movie night with her and Stamie. And one of her sisters, Amy, is not as into Tracy's new life as the other one. She's taking a long time working on it. Stamie's telling a lot of jokes. And the thing about Stamie is I think she's funny. And I think I would like to hang out with Stamie. What I don't like is that Stamie is joking, telling all these jokes to people who ain't ready for him. <laughs> Stamie, I've been there. Read the fucking room. They, this, they not ready for this, okay? And particularly this sister has, like, gets to the point, because they're talking about mom, the mom, and gets to the point where she needs a break. Like, she needs to go outside, and it's, like, stressful. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, Stamie's over there joking about reading the mom and what should she wear and this, this, and this. And apparently the Amy girl, because they're so close in age, um, you know, they moved out to LA almost at the same time and they just really did a lot of things together. And then Tracy has a revelation about her sexuality and the sister's like, I don't even fucking know you. Well, that maybe not like that, but they they're still they're still close, but they're not as close because some things have changed. Now, I fully believe that's on the sister. Okay, that's not Tracy's thing to fix, but that's the sister's issue to get through. Tracy has her own fucking issues to get through. Also, the sister is very close with mom as well. They're all close with mom, and later we find out that the sister is, that mom has been asking the sister about Stamie. Like just little questions here and there. And I'll tell you why she's asking. Tracy's like, why is she asking her not me? I'll tell you why. Because Amy's also reluctant about Tracy's new revelation. New, I keep saying new, it was five years ago, guys. It was five years ago. But mom is asking, Tracy, I mean, uh, Amy about it and really just asking about Stamie, like little questions about Stamie. 
And the reason she's doing that is because mom and I, Tracy doesn't realize this. Mom and Amy talk about you, Tracy. That's why. Like, Amy's the one that's reluctant to, like, the other sister's like, fine. She's like, okay, whatever, bitch. And, <laughs> which is, I think, appropriate, but fine. <laughs> and, but Amy's the one that's like, I don't know what's going on here. It just, like, came out of nowhere. And I bet you mom and Amy talk about that all the time. All the time I bet mom says things like, do you think it's the stage? What's going on? Like, stuff like that. That's why she's comfortable asking her. But here's the deal. Um, Tracy's like, she's really been waiting for her mom to catch up, but she thinks it's time for her to grab her mother's hand and ask her to catch up. I do too. I think five years is a long time to wait. And I think Tracy has been appropriate in that. I th I've said appropriate a million times, but I guess that's the word I want to use today. I feel like it was fine for mom to say, wow, I'm really surprised <laughs> by this. Uh... Okay, let, let's figure it out. Let me let me ask a lot of questions. Let me process. It's fine for that. And it's fine for Tracy to say, let me meet you where you are. Um, you know, when somebody tells me a piece of information that's really surprising, like crazy shocking to me, my first instinct is to ask a lot of questions and to be like, what about this? And what about that? And do you think this? And then like, pause maybe a couple of days and ask more questions and then look at stuff on the internet. Like that's how I approach things, but not everybody is me. And sometimes you have to meet people where they are. And Tracy's done a great job of doing that, but five years is a lot of meeting baby. And Tracy don't want to do it anymore. And I understand that. Um, <sighs> she doesn't want to have to walk on eggshells. And I think like, <laughs> Stamie, like me, is someone who likes to tell a joke, right? She likes to tease people. She likes to throw it. She likes to, you know, say real things in the guise of a joke, get everybody laughing, and then break the ice. That's awesome. But Stamie, that's not who you're dealing with right now. The And some of these people are getting annoyed by it. So you really have to, like, I just, I, I want Stamie to understand that this is not any of her business. <laughs> Is that mean? But I, that's how I feel. I feel like, like my relationship with my mother is none of my husband's business. Even though he's been my partner for over 13 years. It's still none of my, it's still none of his fucking business. I can vent to him. I can talk with him about it. I can, I can ask his advice. But is he supposed to go and like try to push me to do things that I'm not ready to do? Absolutely not. And I feel the same thing with Tracy. Like if Tracy felt okay the way it is, would I like it? No. But if, as long as Tracy and her mom were in a space that the both of them felt like they were fine, then that's none of my fucking business. I'm really happy for Tracy though, because I feel like, I've, like I said, I've watched the series a lot. And we're going to see some shit with her mom in the future that's going to be really, really gratifying. But yeah, Tracy, go ahead and grab your mom's hand. And for me... What I probably do, as opposed to being like, mom, I really need you to talk more about Stamie, I would just talk about Stamie. I talk about Stamie all the time. I, or where appropriate. I would, if I was with Stamie and her kids, I would talk about Stamie and her kids. If she was like, well, what are you doing um, for Thanksgiving this year? I'd be like, well, I'm gonna come stay with you for Christmas. And, but for Thanksgiving, me, Stamie, and her kids and some friends are gonna have a meal. 
Like I would not edit my conversation for her. And she can choose to ignore those things if she wants to. But um, I'm not going to do it. And that's pretty much all that happened there. Uh, so let's get on to Whitney. So Whitney. Whitney is meeting with her sister. Who she is close enough with to have her sister's name tattooed on her. Fine. I hope none of my brothers get my name tattooed on them. Never. Um, Whitney claims she's been brutally honest with the women. And so she either she's lying or she's just started that. Like between the last time we saw her and now. She says that in the past she's been honest. But there's been she's left things out because she felt like some things were none of their business. Um, and now she's just telling everything. And with Whitney, I agree that some things were none of their business unless you cared about how they felt. Do you get me what I'm saying here? Like, like if I'm not in a monogamous relationship with anybody, it is nobody's business if I decide to fuck somebody on Tuesday, fuck somebody on Thursday, fuck somebody on Saturday, and then have a date with you on Sunday. Like literally, it's, it's technically none of your business what I was doing this week. Now, if I'm trying to be ethical and I'm trying to like, and I care about the people's feelings, then I think I'd be honest that I'm having sex with other people. But is it any of their business where I went and who I went there with? No. But then she wonders why people get hurt and she doesn't want people to get hurt. So she's being a little bit more honest, I guess. And she says that if, she, if she's this honest and if these girls still want to talk to her, make out with her, sleep with her, have feelings for her, that's on them. Um, she also says she talked to her dad. Her sister is the one who talks to her dad the most. Her dad cheated on her mom when they were younger. And when he has a lot of resentment for him, for that family stuff, he's a fuck boy. That's, that's how she describes him. And when he's just like him and she doesn't want to be, um, yeah, <laughs> but you are Whitney, you are, you're just like him. You, you've always got all the women around you. You're, you're very interested in getting, female attention on yourself and you're very interested in um you're very interested in um being wanted and your moral compass doesn't point due north and so you find yourself in situations where you're hurting other people or telling lies and blowing up situations that you, you're blowing up situations and wondering how you got there. And she says that, you know, previously Whitney was like, you know, I do, I like to make people feel good. Whitney, what that really means is you like how people respond to you when you make them feel good. You like the validation and admiration and affection that you get when you make someone feel very loved, even if you don't necessarily love them. So it's not, that's not where we start. We start with why you, why you need all this uh, validation from people. If we start there then we can move to the part where you stop basically using these people like validation machines where you put a quarter in to get validation. You, you, uh, you know, talk that shit to them to get validation. You treat them like you're on a date, even though you're all, even though you don't even know if you want to date them. But what you want is the validation from them that you're doing a good job. That's what you need to work out with. Um, but this is something you need to work out in therapy. 
Like this is not something you're gonna work out on day one of therapy either. It's probably gonna take you a while to get to the point where you and your therapist are talking openly about the fact that you do things in order to get validation from people. And that leads you down the road of hurting people because you, you can't be as honest as you want because you're too busy. You need that validation. You need, you're a validation monster right now. Um, so the next thing we see with Whitney is a puppy. Tor is letting a puppy lick all the back of her throat. The puppy's mouth is literally inside. The puppy's head is inside Tor's mouth. I've talked about this on Hogan's no Hogan knows best this week. I'm going to talk about this again. Guys, dogs mouths are not cleaner than humans. What dogs mouths are has less in number of bacteria than humans. Humans have all sorts of bacteria. Dogs have bacteria. Dogs have less number of types of bacteria. Doesn't mean cleaner. It's different. Not cleaner. And what that means and what we need to remember is that one Dogs eat poop, especially puppies. Dogs lick booties. Dogs lick penises. Their own, by the way. And not just like, they don't brush teeth either. They don't They don't rinse out with a little Listerine. They just be out here, okay? They don't have no problem putting their mouth until that water's cold, so they like it. It smells good to them too. They love a smell, they love a stink. Cause that feels good, cause dogs can smell better. Uh, than humans can so that that you know how sometimes you smell a cheese and it's got a a little uh, to it and it and and it's nasty but it's also kind of smells a little good that's how dogs feel about all kinds of things that's how that's how they feel about your crotch which is why they put their faces in it this is all nasty (laughs) this makes dogs amazing at doing all kinds of things that we could never even think about doing like dogs smell your mood they smell pheromones coming off your body to tell them whether you're happy sad angry like that's fucking amazing they also eat poop though guys <laughs> and so therefore you licking you letting them lick that's disgusting tour you make a lot of bad decisions one was moving to la and staying with whitney two was moving to la and staying with whitney three was putting letting that dog lick the back of your tonsils Get out of here, Tor. So Whitney mentions that the Tori's that the puppy's poop, and this is the first time she and I have ever been on the same page. <laughs> Tor is very much over Whitney at this point. She thinks that Whitney's just gaming her. Like whatever she says, she's gaming her. So they're not really talking at all. And Whitney says she feels bad because Tor's a good girl. What does that mean, Whitney? You think she's a good person? You think she's cute and she's she, what? Is, what does that mean? I want, I want you to tell me what that means. What I want to say about Tori, she's a fucking person. She's a person that is like really like put her life on the line to come out here and stay. And she thought something was going to be something. And sure, it's her fault. Let, let's, Tori's a grown ass fucking woman. I think she's like 24. So her brain isn't fully formed, but she's still a grown ass fucking woman. And the fact is, she should have talked to you about what she expected coming out here. But Whitney, so should you have. And it just, it boggles me that, and you had to invite her. Like, I'd love to hear this story again. I'd love to hear how Tor got to be doing this. Whitney, 
I can't believe that Tor was like, can I come live with you or whatever? I, you had to invite her. And it sounds like something you do because again, you're a validation monster. It sounds like she's talking about, well, I really want to move to LA. I want to kickstart my career. I live in Connecticut or whatever. And I'm tired of having to travel for jobs and stuff. And I just really want, I'm young. I just really, I think if I'm going to have a shot at it, I'm going to do it right now. And she, and I can hear Whitney going, well, you know, come to LA. Cause she tries to get everybody to move to LA. And like, just stay, you stay with me. It'll be fine. That's exact. And I, I can hear Whitney saying it. Before she even thought about what she was fucking saying. They all joke about Tor punching Whitney in the face. And I don't know if that's even going to fucking help. Whitney and some friends are going out. Tor's with her. Tor, Scarlet's there. And when Whitney's like out looking at stuff, Tor and Scarlet get missing. And she asks Alyssa about it. And Alyssa says it's kind of her fault. What happened is that Scarlet's ex name was Amy. The one who used to do the, the one that she couldn't even go to their event because they're a promoter in, when they were in San Francisco. And Scarlett had it rough, I guess, with Amy. And um, it was a rough relationship. And Alyssa was telling her that you're never going to move on from that until your heart is open, which is true. Um, and Alyssa essentially tells her she needs to start, like, you know, dipping her toe in the water. And she almost jokingly says, what about Tor? She's cute. And then the two of Scarlet and Tor go off together. Now Juan, Alyssa, get out of people's business. Get, especially out of Tor's business. Because like, I guess what I want to say is either get in their business or get out, not half stepping. Because if you were in their business, you would have told Tor, I have been Whitney's friend for a very long time. I've actually fucked Whitney before, by the way. I hope you know that. But I've been her for a long time, and this happens with a lot of girls. And so before you move out here, I would like you. I'm not going to tell you what to do because you're grown. But I will say that before you move out here, you should absolutely have a conversation with Whitney about where this is going. You should know where your expectations are. And then whatever Whitney set your expectation at, I want you to lower them about three feet because that's where they actually should be. That's what you should have said. None of this innuendo. But if you're not going to do that, then get the fuck out of it because this, all this half-stepping is not helping anybody. So Whitney looks very pissed, but she's claiming she's not pissed and all this other stuff and it's whatever. It's whatever. But Whitney, you look like somebody... You look somebody stole your big wheel, baby. You look like, you look very upset. And when Scarlett and Tor show back up, Whitney ends up having a conversation with Scarlett saying basically, you know, Scarlett, Whitney has no right to say anything about it. She's not going to prevent people from hooking up. And she's, I mean, she and Tor aren't anything. And Scarlett's like, it's not even like that. We were just talking. That's it. Um, and I guess that makes Whitney feel better. Um, the other thing that really bothered me about that is Tori is incredibly cute. She's such a cutie. Just so cute. She's not going to have any problems meeting anybody. And she's like a little, just want to put her in my pocket and run her, run down the block. She's so fucking cute. And I don't understand, like what she needs to be focused on is finding a fucking job, you know? And getting her own place. Like all this getting involved in this, in, in finding somebody new is stupid. So 
At some point, Whitney and Tor are talking and Whitney brings it up about Scarlett and Tor doesn't even know what the fuck she is talking about. Partly because I don't think Alyssa was talking to Tor and Scarlett. I think Alyssa was talking to Scarlett. Scarlett was talking and then Scarlett was just, you know, hanging out with Tor. She wasn't like over there like, and I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. So Tor's like, what? What? And she's, you know... There, she and Whitney are talking and Whitney's like, oh God, she doesn't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. And Scarlett says, ex- I mean, Tor says exactly what I said is that Tor needs to be focused on finding a job and getting a place. And she said, that's why I'm doing that. And then some rando goes, where are you going to go? Just like that. And the camera pans. This is the funniest shit. The camera pans over. And it's this drunk girl just leaning over like, blinking like, where are you going to go? And Whitney in the confessional starts laughing. She goes, there are two people at my house who I do not even fucking know. It's two girls and she thinks they're Scarlett's friend, but I guess they came back with them. And, and she's like, so this rando has just been sitting there drinking a glass of water, listening to Tor and Whitney talk. <laughs> and it's just like all in their conversation. And the reason it's funny to me it's because I know I like to be like, I mind my business. I don't see anybody, which is true. Like I can be very like focused and just minding my own business and not even fucking knowing people exist. On the other hand, if I get a chance to like people watch, I would totally be up in their business. I mean, I wouldn't go over it. I wouldn't be like, where you gonna go girl? But I would definitely be like, Oh, they're having an interesting conversation. I would definitely be listening. (laughs) But this chick is drunk. Like, drunk, 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 drunk. And, you know, it's funny. She's got a lot of opinions. And she's like, she's got a lot of opinions. One of them is that the situation sounds whack and that Whitney needs to be honest. And tell Tor what's going on and all that shit. Um, the other one is like, but she does have some bad ideas, much like my sister-in-law. And that is that she wonders why Tor has to be done for right now. Why she can't wait and see what happens. And to that, I say, drunk girl, go home. Because we don't need you convincing Tor to give Whitney another chance. We need Tor to move the fuck on. Um, so at this point, Tor and Scarlett are looking on the computer. It's later in the night. Tor and Scarlett look on the computer at pictures and like flirting and stuff. And Whitney's like laying on a couch. She's very tired. And then Scarlett comes and straddles her. And Whitney's like, I don't know what's going on. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening, Whitney. She's drunk, really drunk. And she might've been flirting with Scarlett for her own benefit. She also might've been flirting with Scarlett for your benefit. And now she's like all over Whitney and kissing her and all this other stuff. And you know, it's on like Donkey Kong. And Whitney is also trying to be like honest, be like, no, I just want to be clear, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Whitney, it's, it's liquor. It's liquor. That's what it is. And no, I don't think you should have sex with her or even make out with her right now because she did, she's made it clear. She does not want to be a part of this shit. And she's drunk. And maybe she, and if she was sober, she'd be giving you dirty looks across the fucking kitchen like she normally does. <laughs> so, like, they end up cuddling in bed. And that's the last, and like, Whitney's like, slowly brushing the hair out of her eyes. Whatever. 
And we get voiceover from Whitney talking about how Tor is, Tor really put her in her place and now she's like into that. Whitney, you're such a fuck boy. You just want some, you want to change the mind of whoever is mad at you right now. Whoever's not buying into your shit, you're the one, that's the one that you want to be like, no, that's the one I want. And it's fucking ridiculous. But like that's inner work she has to do on herself. She has to realize why she's always chasing the person who doesn't, who isn't in the palm of her hand. And that probably has a lot to do with her mom and probably has a lot to do with her fucking dad. You know, it's shit I can't figure out on an hour and a half podcast, right? It's shit you have to do. You have to do, as Ayama says, you have to do the work. Guys, you know, Ayama Fix My Life is done after this year. I don't know why. She doesn't take that long to film them. I think she does like, I think she only does like six, seven episodes a fucking season. She doesn't take that long to film them. It's, It's probably decent money, but I mean, maybe she feels like, uh, Maybe she feels like her ministry, because she says, this is her ministry. This is her calling. First of all, if you ever read her books, she had a lot of callings. And she used to be a lawyer. Yeah, she used to be a fucking lawyer, guys. She used to, I mean, she talks about raising her kids and like, she's done some fucked up shit. Um, She talks about the first time she went to go get an abortion. Um, She was there by herself. But the second time she went to go to an abortion, she was married. But her husband was like, doing something and so she was so excited to sit down and get put her put her papers down to get her abortion and say when they say where's your uh when she marked Mary down they go well where's your husband and she goes oh I don't really know where he is right now (laughs) they wrote all right then bitch she's single (laughs) that's not I don't agree with that I just think it's so funny like a nurse (laughs) be like well he ain't here Anyway, and just like raising her kids and like things that happen, like like Ayana's lived like forty two lives. Okay, her her daughter dying, um, going bankrupt. Uh, that her like this marriage, the marriage that she had towards later in her life, being like, uh crumbling like so like she has been through some shit some real fucking shit and anyway but she says this is her ministry and she just happens to do it on tv and tv's not gonna get in the way of her ministry i don't know i wonder what but like i wouldn't leave a tv show that was paying me a certain amount of money that was easy to make because i think it's easy to make i think she's doing shit over like I think she's filming for like three to four days um, for each uh, for each episode, you know? I don't fucking know. But I I don't think I don't think she'd leave a TV show uh, without having something up on the horizon. So I wonder what the next thing is. I wonder what it is. I think um Ayana would make a great podcaster. Her voice is great for it. She does have a podcast, but it's really just like, uh, much like the own shit that's on podcasts, it's really just audio, like repackaged of um, the show. But I think she'd be great on the radio and serious. I think 
you know, something like that. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, um, so guys, listen, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all who are Patreon members who helped me donate this week uh, to the New Georgia Project. Uh, remember, go to newgeorgia.org, the newgeorgiaproject.org um, for more information for ways that you can donate and help. Um, remember that it's really important that people don't parachute into Georgia or try to come and tell people in Georgia how to do this when they have run this campaign. They went fucking blue for the first time in 28 years. That's partially in thanks to groups like the New Georgia Project and many others that are, that are in the state that will be there after this election continually trying to make things better. So let's, let's support them in the ways we can and let them do the fucking work and wish them all the best for this January um, Senate race. I, I know I am. Um, I think that's it, guys. Uh, I will talk to you soon. Bye.